Hi, and welcome to the Ocean Pancake Podcast. I'm here with Maria, and today we talk about some very fascinating topics. We covered her uh, PhD in microbial oceanography, where she focuses on <laughs> uh, the interaction between bacteria and other microorganisms and plastic in the ocean. So we have some great conversations in terms of what does plastic do in our oceans, what does bacteria and plastic have to do together, and how you can help in terms of the whole plastic crisis we're facing. But we also have some good news about the ocean and some scary news about the ocean, so um, keep listening to find out. Yeah. <laughs> Every day, there's a new news story about the crisis facing our ocean. Whether it's the plastic issue, overfishing, pollution, if the oceans die, we die. Fortunately, we have plenty of environmental activists, marine conservationists, and eco-warriors who are out there every day fighting to protect our oceans and our Earth. On the Ocean Pancake Podcast, we're going to be hearing from some of them about how to decrease our environmental footprint, go plastic-free, participate in ocean conservation, cleanups, and even maybe some marine science. So, welcome to the Ocean Pancake Podcast, where the goal is sustainability and living a turquoise life. My name is Kat Andreskova, and I'm your host today. Let's get into this week's episode. Hello, and welcome back to the Ocean Pancake Podcast. Today, I'm here with Maria from Sea and Me. Uh, which is an epic YouTube channel. She is a marine biologist who is focusing on microbial ocean biology? <laughs> oceanography! Bio microbial oceanography. Yes. Maybe you should introduce a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so um, I am currently, fin uh, not fin I am currently doing my PhD in microbial oceanography and in very to describe very briefly what I do, I work with the interaction between microbes such as bacteria and plastic pollution in the ocean. Oh, so right up, right up my alley in terms of fighting against plastic. Exactly. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to talking to Maria a little bit more about um, her whole PhD, what she's doing, her experiences of getting into. So yeah, stay tuned and yeah, well, welcome today. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So first question for you, Maria, what got you into marine biology in the first place? So I, oh, I always loved the ocean since I remember. Um, I also lived for most of my life in Portugal near the ocean. And I always just loved, you know, the being in at the beach and looking through the, these little ponds and the rocks when the tide was low. I always loved that. And then I decided to, at some point, I decided I wanted to become a marine biologist again after watching a, a TV series <laughs> called Ocean Girl on uh, the, about, yeah, about a girl who talked with whales. And there was a marine biologist in the series. And that's more or less when I said, yeah, that's like what I want to do. And it never changed until now that that's what I wanted to do. So then I started uh, my degree in biology and then I did my master's in my marine biology. Uh, ecology and uh, somehow then I transitioned to a PhD in microbial oceanography which is also a field kind of a field in marine biology 
Yeah, and we were just laughing a little bit because we just recorded a video for Maria's YouTube channel, C&E, yeah. about the differences between scuba diving instructors and marine biologists, where we covered about how we got into our respective <laughs> fields. So once you're done with this podcast, make sure to go over there and check yeah. that out. Um, the next question I have for you is, what have you found to be the most challenging part in terms of going into marine biology? Um... As a field or like more as a career? I, I guess both because I always thought it would be hard to get into because of the competition. That's uh, okay. why I never went into it. Okay, so to get in to the point where I am now, it's not so hard. It's yeah. beyond the PhD level that becomes mm. harder. When you, uh, to, until the PhD point, it's because it's just your student, right? So, um, I mean, it, you, it, biology so you just have to study through university and if you, you study biology and then you do your masters or or not in any kind of biology um it's not so hard i mean it's a it's i guess it's like any other study um in at least in my case it was not a specifically hard it was not specific it, the years i had at university were not specifically hard then when you want a phd you either apply for open PhD positions, or like in my case, I wrote a grant. Mm -hmm. So I wrote a project to, and I applied for a PhD grant. And there's there's quite a lot of them. The, if you look, you have to know where to look, and it's good if you have, uh, if it's really good that you make connections during university mm -hmm. and you talk to your professors and ask what opportunities there are. Many, ti many times just having the right connection is enough that you know, okay, there's this uh, opening for a PhD there, which would mm -hmm. be great for me. And PhDs are, this is bad to say, but they're kind of cheap labor. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. bad to say, but so, which means um, there's, and it's still a kind of, you're still a student in a way. It's, you're still considered a student. So there's a lot of, possibilities. Mm -hmm. It's after that that it's really becoming narrower. The amount of postdoc positions is narrowing and then after that when you want to have a, a permanent position is even it that's the where it really gets tricky. Because once you finish your PhD and you continue with the postdoc then you have I don't know how many years of postdoctoral grants, scholarships or whatever you have um you have at some point you want to have a permanent position you're gonna it's gonna be 1000 dogs to one bone like there's a lot oh, of competition wow. it's a it's really there's not that there are not that many positions for everyone they're just not so yeah. it's becoming very competitive at this level wow yeah i that's i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um you you did mention that you wrote your own grant so could you Tell me yeah. and the audience a little bit about what, what was your grant on. So what is your project? What are mm -hmm. you, what is your goal to find out? You know, what's your aim? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, my project, uh, is on, uh, I have to give a bit of a backstory. Okay. So, Go on. yeah. So I started working as an assistant in the, this lab where I'm working mm -hmm. now, which is the microbial oceanography group. It's, a, it's the name, it's the microbial oceanography group. The department is limnology and biooceanography from the University of Vienna. And I started working as a, a assistant, just helping people with their own projects. And I was there for one year. And during this year, I, this, uh, me, the, this, so my current supervisor and um, head of the group, we decided that I could come up with a project mm -hmm. 
that would kind of be still related, that would still be related to microbial oceanography because that's their main topic. So that's what they work on, especially in the deep ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it's something, if I came up with an idea with microbial oceanography that I would like to, to develop with them, that he would be up for it. Mm-hmm. And I was really looking into the, all the plastic uh, problem and it, it's really, it was the moment when it kind of started really appearing everywhere. And I realized that uh, we know there's bacteria that degrade oil, right? So, and uh, plastic is made from oil. And and I realized, I started researching, there was almost nothing on, uh, no literature or no research done on bacteria that could potentially degrade plastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were some in the soil, there were some some not many in the ocean but it was a very almost nothing and i Mm -hmm. thought wow this would be actually something cool to study and so that's how like to just uh study the bacteria that live on plastic in the ocean because right after if the plastic piece is in the ocean for like a certain amount of time it depends where but it can be from from one week to one month it will be covered with microorganisms they attach so they live attached to the plastic because it's a biofilm, you know, like a biofilm is, for instance, what you have if you don't scrub your bathtub or for instance, for a long time, you know, and you have like a slimy thing. This is a biofilm created by bacteria. So that's bacteria that create like a excretion and they live in this matrix, like they live in this like slimy kind of thing. And uh, they, uh, bacteria, if they are somewhere and if they have a surface, they will attach. Not all of them, not all species, just some. And there are around, there's many bacteria in the ocean. So in one milliliter uh, of surface water, it's very, a very small amount. If you look it up, it's really, <laughs> I cannot show you. I was like making the with my fingers, so you cannot see. Uh, it's a very small amount. Um, there are 1 million bacteria oh, wow. per milliliter of sea, uh, sea uh, surface seawater. So if there's plastic there, there will be always species attaching. So, and then they will create this kind of glue, this Mm -hmm. uh, um, kind of layer that they produce and it's a glue and then they live there. And it's a dynamic dynamic community there. It's constantly changing. There will be new bacteria coming and attaching to it. There will be interactions within this, Mm -hmm. this uh, matrix between, within this kind of layer. And it's a very diverse community. There's thousands of species sometimes of different bacteria and even like not only bacteria, but also phytoplankton, for instance, there's Mm -hmm. tons, tons. And, um, we, and so this to go back to what I am doing, well, there is a possibility that within this kind of biofilm, there are bacteria that can degrade the plastic Mm -hmm. because why not? Bacteria are known to degrade practically everything you throw at them. At least there will be always one strain or one species that is capable of doing the most incredible things. So that's when I decided, okay, maybe I, I want to look into these, this layer, this biofilm, how it's called, that is developing on plastics. And uh, so then I came up with the project, then it, it, it becomes a bit more specific than that. Mm-hmm. So, but then we developed some experiments. Um, and further on, ideally, we would like to be able to understand which are the bacteria, if there are bacteria that can degrade plastic, it's now there since I started my PhD, a lot of papers and a lot of studies came out 
with evidence that there are and mm -hmm. how they do it and what is it that they, yeah, what they produce that degrades this yeah. plastic. And how we could potentially harness that to kind of that's far, that's combat like combat the solution. Well, that's a good, it's the goal, right? To yeah. Try to help. Yeah. Well, um, that would be ultimately yes, but uh, <laughs> there's a problem to that always. Um, like these bacteria that eat oil yeah. that people like to throw in the ocean, like if there's an oil spill, this can be kind of. Wait, people do that? They throw bacteria? In there was, uh, yeah, sometimes. Don't put this in there, please. I don't want to be sued by an oil company. <laughs> please. Sorry. Anyway. Uh, where, it's okay. <laughs> I, I don't want to say that. Okay. But I can, yeah. Yeah. Um, All good. <laughs> um, but Potential solutions. Potential, yeah. Maybe. No. Yeah. So I, this would be great. if there, Even if we don't find exactly... Uh, back to if even even just by understanding which chemicals or which potential things that the bacteria can produce that degrade plastic it can for example uh, for example help create more biodegradable plastics oh, or yeah. it can help uh, or can even if you don't throw it in the ocean the bacteria you can maybe try to uh, use them in like wastewater treatment plants for oh, instance yeah. or something like that but mm -hmm. That's a, a very, a, for, from what we know now, it's still a bit on the far horizon. So in my, when I finish my PhD, I will not be able to like produce, uh, uh, fix, fix a, the world, fix actually. the world. Exactly. No, no, oh, but that would we be great. We were counting on you. <laughs> Sorry. No. So, uh, you guys heard it here from a marine biologist studying this. Uh, the best thing you can do at this point is to stop using plastic. Yes. Basically. Cause. <laughs> we are still single-use plastic, especially like mm -hmm. that's really. Um, I was in. Um, uh, this is not a promotion, but we were filming <laughs> for a documentary on a on a beach in oh, Croatia. Yeah, I, saw that. I saw that. Yeah, and uh, we there were we were on a beach, and there were there was like a a dumpster site on the beach, yeah. the most amazing beach, and then there was like a air a place. Where people would just throw all the cigarette butts, mm. the cup, like plastic cups, bags, whatever, and it was it was such a scenic place and so beautiful. And then you had like these, it was destroying the whole view yeah. and thing. Mm. No, but I think um, yeah, the amount of plastic produced is insane per year. Yeah, and also health wise, we are not sure what it does, and it might be quite harmful. And we're eating it now. Apparently. Yeah, there's some in fish, right? So yeah. they found that there are micro microplastics in the gut of fish. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the problems with plastic is that they have additives as well, like in terms of health. Uh, plastic, when you produce plastic during the production, um, they you have additives that are added to the material to make them either more uh, like uh, flexible? resistant, flexible, mm -hmm. Uh, to last longer, you have all these kind of things. For instance, one that's really known as BPA. Yeah. BPA, and this is a very bad. It's an endocrine disruptor, so it, it kind of messes your up with your hormones. It's a it, it's a compound that if it's in your body, it can have negative effect. Like it can mm. affect your horm de uh, deregulate and regulate your hormonal your hor hormones basically that's why now they say bpa free. free exactly so you see a bunch of stuff saying bpa free but that's not the only additive that's simply the one that we have <laughs> we, know <about. laughs> we know about yeah so but we don't know 
uh, a lot as well, but we know that there's a potential health risk in the plastics that we use today. I, for instance, don't use plastic Tupperwares anymore. I've become a bit paranoid. <laughs> I, 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 only use, good I only use glass Tupperwares because, uh, you know, these additives can migrate from the plastic to your food passively. So if you have an apple in a plastic bag, uh, the, if the plastic bag has uh, some additives, it can migrate just to your fruit. Also, I've heard, again, you can mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I've heard that sun increases this rate of, of tran transmission, essentially. Like water bottles, mm -hmm. single-use water bottles, a lot of people will drink them and then they'll be like, oh, I'm reusing it. Uh, however, the longer you reuse it, especially if you leave it in the sun, you have a greater chance of the PET or whatever yeah. from the bottles to actually get into the water. Plant yeah, well, funny thing is, um, I we de developed had a, um, it just is already published. Uh, it was a study uh, I developed with a colleague of mine. Mm -hmm. uh, she was a postdoc in our lab two years ago, and uh, this um, and we saw that actually we put plastic in seawater yeah. uh, and. We, under light and dark condition, mm -hmm. and we saw that there was something leaching from the plastic into the seawater in both conditions. So mm -hmm. uh, both when exposed to light and when not exposed to light. But the funny thing is, it's the biggest, the moment, the, the biggest release is the moment the water touched the plastic. So in the beginning. So the moment oh. you put the plastic, so even when you are drinking water from a bottle, if there is something there, it's already in the water. So I also try to avoid plastic bottles. <laughs> so the, the excellent. So the the <laughs> yeah. So the we saw that. I mean, it might not be true for all types of plastic, but for the ones we tested, um, we you you can uh, we saw that right after you add the plastic in the seawater, there's all immediately something leaching out, and that's when it's leaching more out. It, and is this like the plastics they use for like water bottles and stuff as well? Uh, like this the, was polyethylene. It's the most used uh, plastic for everything. Even that, like reusable water bottles. So normally reusable water bottles are PET. PET. Yeah, we did not test PET. Uh, PET is polyethylene tetraphthalate. Mm -hmm. uh, and the thing is there are many different types of plastic and different types of plastic have different additives and have potential potentially very different effects in the ocean as well and uh and in bacteria they apparently uh um have effect on different effect on also the, this is what i'm mostly studying is the difference between plastic types mm -hmm. how different bacteria are on different plastic types and we saw that it, there is a difference and probably there's not one bacteria that can degrade all plastics because they all have yeah. different molecular structures maybe you have that would make sense yes so, there's a lot to consider in, in this uh, <laughs> in the <laughs> topic. Definitely. Um, well, I, it sounds fascinating and inspirational, and I'm sure a lot of people um, are curious kind of how they can get to the point where you are. So mm -hmm. for people who are aspiring marine biologists or aspiring mm -hmm. people who want to learn more and help create more science, what would you recommend to people, whether they're in high school or university? So what are some tips you could give them? Okay, so um, if you're in high school, I would say, uh, well, study biology. 
helps helps <laughs> go to uh, study biology and uh, if you are and this now goes for everyone if you are still in university or not if you have an idea of something that interests you mm-hmm. contact people that work on this field um, it's uh, ve- even it try to volunteer in research projects mm-hmm. I, I say this a lot all the time uh, because I think it's also good to tr- before you really dive into science and to a PhD it's really good to have some experience in what science is yeah. and there's no way of doing it just in textbooks there's just no way you will have no idea what it actually is until you work in an actual research group yeah. so my um, my uh, suggestion is contact people if you are at, uh, in a university that has a research group in marine biology even if it's not the exact topic you want it doesn't matter and if you don't have the opportunity to go somewhere else where they have the topic you want nevertheless contact people in the working group uh, getting some experience it might be even that you are capable of um, I was lucky enough I participated in a project where they for instance published a paper and mm-hmm. then my name was on the paper oh, wow. and this is really really important mm-hmm. when you apply for PhD grants for instance uh, and uh, depending on the country in Portugal your grades are very important mm-hmm. uh, for when you apply for a PhD but that's not mostly that's normally not the case in most of the other countries or PhD grants what's important is your drive mm-hmm. your uh, when you present a CV is showing that you are interested in learning so you've done volunteer work you you are you already contacted some professors you already shown that you were interested in doing yeah. research and uh, I in my opinion this is more important than having like the maximum grades and everything Definitely. because it just shows that you are first of all dynamic that you take initiative and that mm-hmm. you kind of uh, are really interested in learning and that I think that's the ultimate thing if you want to follow a career like this so yeah make yourself known contact people working on the field doesn't need to be if you want to work with dolphins but someone <laughs> in your in your um, uh, university works I don't with lobsters doesn't matter contact them yeah. just having some knowledge on what science is it doesn't matter if you then you can then apply for a position with dolphins and you are and then you say I've already I already worked in a research yeah. lab just uh, yeah so go for it that's my I think that's the most important thing really yeah. experience and connection like networking yeah we talked about this in both of our YouTube videos you can mm-hmm. check them out on our YouTube channels to, to get into either one of our fields whether it's diving instructing or marine biology one of the biggest things you have to do is like love the ocean yeah. and if you are really passionate about the ocean, you're not just going to do it from nine to five. You're not just going to do it in the expected hours. Yeah. You have to go out of your way and make, as you said, yeah. you know, make contacts, volunteer, do all these things. There's plenty of opportunities out there. I actually have a blog published where you can check out many different volunteering opportunities and just get involved, contact people, and you'll be making a difference not only for yeah. the oceans already by learning more, but also for yourself yeah, and definitely. your career. Yeah, it doesn't even need to be science, like you were saying. Yeah. It can be just volunteering and, uh, I don't campaigns, yeah. beach cleanups, anything. These are all things that will make a difference in your CV when you are being yeah. when selected. Yeah, looking at you. Um, now, this question's a little bit different, but I... Um, 
considering you work a lot with plastic and, and the ocean, I wanted to know what is the scariest thing you have learned about the ocean or the situation we're in? Because a lot of the news we hear is quite negative and, you know, I'm bombarded with just like 12 years left until climate change completely kills everything. <laughs> yes. Um, so from a scientific perspective, mm -hmm. what's what's a article you've read or a paper you found that really shocked you and kind of, you know, you found scary? And don't okay. worry, we'll talk about a positive. Yeah. Okay. I'm, think, I'm, okay. <laughs> I'm, th I'm kind of, I'm thinking... Definitely the increase in plastic production over the last years. Mm -hmm. So I, you hear that it's a lot, yeah. but when you actually see the numbers mm -hmm. in 10 years, it, I think like it almost tripled in the last three years, the production really? per year and it's increasing. It's an exponential increase. So every year we produce much more than the year before. And the numbers are a bit scary because you'll see it's like, it's kind of, it's pretty scary. The amount. But also uh, more directly related to the ocean. I don't know if it's scary, but or interesting, or if this is. I don't know. But it uh, plastic has been found at four thousand meters deep. So like, <laughs> I, which uh, I mean, <laughs> it's it's. It, I'm not surprised because I'm, I can't be surprised. I'm not surprised. No. I was not surprised, but. There's evidence that it's reaching basically everywhere in the world now. So there's the ocean, the deep ocean, which is the place in the earth that we know less about is already like full of, or not full. We don't know if it's full, but we know that there are plastics there. So this is, even though it's not scary because I was kind of expecting it, but um, knowing it, it's kind of all right. So it's there as well. Okay. <laughs> it's um. everywhere. And to, to turn it into like more positive side, what's what's probably the most inspirational or positive thing you've you've learned um, about our oceans or something something we can like keep our hope up with? Well, um, <laughs> bacteria be... will always survive. <laughs> <laughs> <For Woo! sure. laughs> yeah, I know this might not sound like much, but it made me feel better. That even we can destroy everything, but bacteria will always survive. So we are Maria, the optimist. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, the ocean is resilient, and um, it's it's hard to be positive if you work only with pollution. Actually, so because normally what I but and I, and the papers and I have to say the papers that I usually read are more technical, so mm -hmm. they are not. Because papers are very technical usually. There's no like opinion or any, so it's really just this bacteria was there or this plastic, there's this amount of plastic here or there. So I'm used, I'm already uh, looking at things very analytically, mm -hmm. um, which is really maybe not. Bacteria will survive. <laughs> bacteria <laughs> will survive. Um, positive. No positive. <laughs> no, it's it's very hard. The ocean hard. is resilient. Okay. Ocean is resilient. This is definitely. Humpback populations are rising. I think. Ah, they are. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. No, I think I think they are. Okay. Um. Uh, recently, um, uh, olive ridley turtles were spotted as far north as New York. Ah, so you mean ocean in general? Not well, I don't just know. Ocean Any, anything. Okay. I'm trying to be positive. <laughs> yes. Because I'm struggling. I'll... Okay, so something positive generally, not only about plastic pollution, people <laughs> are becoming more aware. That is true. That is true. And like, if you're listening to this, you're probably one of those people. So yes. thank you for caring. Yeah, this you know? is definitely, uh, like, real. I think 
Um, this is something really positive. I think um, uh, people are, at least in the industrialized Western world, people are becoming mm -hmm. more aware. Of course, well, this is the only world I can talk about, like yeah. Europe, because my surroundings are here. But I see it through even like my parents' generation, yeah, my, yeah, yeah. My, my parents' friends, they, you know, they care about this and they say, oh yeah, I saw on TV or, oh, it's so cool what you're doing. You're working with plastic pollution. So it means that it's reaching people that before thought, yeah, there's no problem. Yeah. And that's very positive. That makes me happy. Kind that's, of, yeah. that's true. That's actually, that is optimist. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, and to kind of round this off and mm -hmm. to stay on this positive note, what can you tell people to, to kind of do? What can the average person do to, to try and make a difference or to make a difference? Like as a marine mm -hmm. biologist coming from this field with all your knowledge, yeah. what can, you know, any one of our listeners do to kind of help protect Okay, the so there's many things, uh, simple things. For instance, if you go to a supermarket, um, in terms of plastic, because that's my field of really speciality, if you go, if I go to a supermarket, don't use those horrible plastic bags for fruit. I don't know if this is still allowed. I think in many countries it's not yeah. allowed anymore. No, it's still allowed in many. They they ban yeah. the bags at like the checkout. But, but these are still allowed. Okay. Or they're biodegradable. You guys no, don't by see the what way, I did. Yeah, by the way, <laughs> yeah, biodegradable, that's another thing. Biodegradable doesn't mean that they will dis disappear the moment they're in nature. Mm. Just means they are degraded easier. But it's still better that they don't, they're not there. So it doesn't, no bag is better than a biodegradable bag. Biodegradable bag is better than a normal bag, mm -hmm. but still it's not... Um, the solution it's not the solution to just uh, make everything biodegradable yeah so reduce plastic consumption if you can in small things like mm -hmm. uh, like this if you you don't need uh, a different bag for all the fruits that you have I for instance don't use bags anymore when I buy fruits I just weigh them together and then I just put the yeah. price tag on one of them um, or you can use like reusable mesh bags. Or you can use, you can find those. Oh yeah. I yeah. don't even, here I have never seen. You can get the... them on like Etsy and stuff and okay. support small businesses. Another great thing to do, support small oh, businesses. Cool. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Small businesses is, yeah. Um, don't buy shampoos with microplastics in them. <laughs> microbeads yeah the yeah. microbeads which is very hard i tell you like it's um I, i've in portugal for instance i cannot find them you really? have to go to a biological store i mean when i was there some time ago uh, i in this one i don't know in this one supermarket <laughs> i went <laughs> still well, still so scientific <laughs> no yeah, no but it's not yeah because um most a lot of cosmetics have microplastic mm -hmm. toothpaste has microplastics um, and in terms of microplastics, we don't know what is what's happening really to what's the effect in the ocean, but they are having negative effect at the micro scale, mm -hmm. so or zooplankton to small organisms. So definitely try to reduce that. Be vegan, yes. <laughs> which I, I I'm not, <laughs> but I okay, but I'm. Uh, I'm trying to reduce my meat consumption. I come from a culture or from uh eating meat at every meal so yeah. twice per day 
And I grew up like that. Um, uh, for me, for us, a uh, meat meal without meat or fish is not was not a meal. It yeah, was like no, a snack. No, same same thing. Yeah. So I'm uh, now. I've my goal is eat meat maximum three times per three meals per week. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is really, but this is not only for the ocean. This is for everything. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, meat, the meat industry, the mass production of meat is a big problem as well. Yeah huge in terms of well you guys know if you read any of my stuff in terms of antibiotic runoff pesticides just the amount of methane produced there's there's a myriad of problems but i think the biggest thing is people are getting more aware of it and decreasing your meat and eat and try to um to buy organic biological meat but if you do if you really do not want to buy but check for the certifications because some of them are because there's a lot of uh, um, there are a lot of uh, biological and organic certifications for all kinds of products, not mm-hmm. only meat. And some of them are quite uh, not real. Like they are real, but really? their standards are so low that it's almost not. You know, so just you can check that online. Yeah, um, it, there's a you can check. This is something you can check online. I know in Australia they have free range eggs. Have you heard of that? No, I don't think they have them here. In Europe, it's all considered free range. In Australia, you can get caged eggs, which is basically like hundreds of chickens in a little cage okay. who are sitting on like wires and have no no fur, <laughs> have feathers. no feathers, and they're kind of just laying eggs one on top of it. It's disgusting. Or then there's free range eggs, which are marketed as more bio eco-friendly um but if you look at their definition of free-range eggs i think it's like um ten thousand chickens per square kilometer i don't know but i i did the math so still quite and it was 10 chickens per square meter so like think it's of it still it's, it's still <laughs> like crazy it's not free range like it's still yeah. not they're still not free like run they don't have space to run around yeah it's still nowhere near kind of what you're imagining when you're buying this this egg carton with these happy chickens mm. on it. So, um, yeah. But. but, and the thing I think also, um, uh, eating uh, a lot of meat is not good for your health either. So no. if you, even if you don't want to do it for the environment or for whatever, like it's, it really has a negative impact on your health, especially if you eat this processed meat, like red processed meat is so bad. Like, yeah. Depends again. Depends where you buy it. I mean, I think in Europe the standards are much not higher. As, are much higher, for instance. But but still, like, yeah. um, we're we're already worried about like the plastic we're eating. Like, yeah. I think I think eliminating red meat is also just good for your health. Yes. Overall. Yeah, definitely. Well, cool. cool. I think that's all the questions I had. So thank you so much, Maria, for joining me today. Thank you and for having me. All of you guys, definitely go over and check out her her channel. She's got some fantastic content on there. If you're interested in anything in terms of marine biology or ocean science, she's got plenty of fantastic videos and vlogs where you can actually see the day-to-day kind of processes, which um, I always find fantastic. And you should check out her video. Um, you, you, what is it called? You should be a marine biologist if... if yes. yes. So if you're considering being a marine biologist, check out that video. It's one of my favorites. Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, thanks so much. And Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, and <laughs> I'll see you guys next time.